0: Hey everyone, welcome to the LBC Podcast where we explore Christian theology and practice for the building up of God's family. Unless you've been living under a rock, you've probably heard about the goings-on at Asbury University in Wilmore, Kentucky, in what has come to be called the Asbury Revival. For two weeks, between February 8th and February 23rd, students and people from all walks of life, all around the world, gathered to the small town of Wilmore, Kentucky, to experience what some have called true revival, an awakening or an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. There are some who claim that this is the beginning of a new move of the Holy Spirit, and, of course, there are others who are seeking to debunk the events as nothing more than a phony publicity stunt. So what do we think? How are we to think biblically on the events at Asbury University? And what does the Bible have to say about true revival? True revival. Well, that'll be our topic of conversation this morning. I'm your host, John Harrell, worship director at LBC, and joining me in studio today, we have Leslie Carroll. Good Good morning.
1: morning. Good morning.
0: And also, we have our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Burns. Hello. Good morning. Good morning. And as always, faithful Elijah Tran.
1: He's the star of the show. You can say hi. Oh, hello.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always good. It's good to have you, Elijah. It's really good. We would be completely lost without you. i try that's the truth. So Asbury Revival, what are we to make of this? Just a brief timeline in case you haven't been following the news. Uh, a brief timeline of events. Here we go. You guys ready? ready? Yep. All right. So February 8th was the typical Wednesday chapel service that most students, I think, are mandated to attend. And so something special happened here where when the service wrapped up, Students were encouraged to stick around. I've actually watched this. Did you guys get a chance to watch it? I didn't. Not watch from it. the beginning,
2: no. okay. but I watched a lot of the service elements.
0: Yeah, it was a very normal chapel service. There wasn't anything spectacular. It wasn't like gold dust and right, angel right. wings fell or anything like that. Just a very normal chapel service, but and a very you know practical normal sermon off of uh, what it means to be truly loving from Romans chapter twelve, I believe was what the guy spoke from, and so. Uh, He just wrapped it all up, though, by just encouraging students to, hey, stick around. If you need prayer, stick around and just spend time in God's presence. And uh, what occurred from that point on was basically two weeks of nonstop prayer, worship, uh, reports of healings, all sorts of stuff. And the basic timeline is all of that started at that chapel service on February the 8th. And so students stuck around. It's kind of a phenomenon where they just stuck around, and then more and more students started coming in. I believe uh, the president of the university sent out an email, I think, telling students, hey, something's happening in the chapel. And so more students gathered in the chapel, um, and they went all night praying, worshiping, seeking the Lord. Some say, you know, that they were some were preaching the gospel. Others were saying that it was just people getting up, reading scripture and sharing testimonies. And all of this continued into the night, into the following day, February 9th. And it continued through February 9th into February 10th. Um, On February 10th, people from the community and from elsewhere started gathering in. Um, Participants, it says, it's reported that participants appeared to be largely members of the student body. um, And they started to receive local news coverage. So this is where things really start to get crazy because the news coverage starts coming in and saying, hey, something's happening at Asbury University in Hughes Auditorium. Well, it continues on into February 11th which is the fourth day. And on February 11th, it's said that crowds began to swell at Hughes Auditorium as local media coverage continues. On February 12th, you start having buses and vans from other churches, other religious institutions. Um, You've got other seminaries and other colleges that are starting to come on campus because they want to see what's going on. Um, And they begin calling this, obviously, a revival. Uh, This continues. It just keeps going, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger throughout the week. Uh, You have other universities now who are sending students. Um, You've got people who start coming in literally from all over the country. And then eventually people who start coming in from all over the world (laughs) to be a part. And it's crazy because keep in mind, Wilmore, Kentucky is like a town of 6,000 people. So it's pretty wild. I mean, just imagine being a part of a small town and all of a sudden your town has doubled and tripled. Off visitors, That's not probably built for that. It's not built for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, February 13th. So we're what? F- 5 days 5 in. days, 5 6 mm-hmm. days into this students at Cedarville University, they start holding their own worship service in response to the revival and we see this starting to happen where yeah. across college campuses across America and even across the world, there are other students who start gathering in their chapels or wherever and they're doing all-night prayer, all-night worship and claiming that revivals are breaking out all over the country. This is what starts to get reported. Uh, February 14th, at least 22, it's reported at least 22 other institutions travel to Asbury University for the revival. Institutions meaning other universities and colleges, Bible colleges, seminaries, 22 showing up. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Uh, February 15th, it continues into its eighth day. The revival receives coverage from the Washington Post, so it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, This is when they begin to close off the chapels there at Asbury University only to people who are 26 years and younger. That was interesting (laughs) to me. It was interesting. Yeah. Um, They wanted this to, and the the reason for this, according to them was that they wanted to prioritize the voices of Gen Z, Um, that they were the ones who had seemingly been a part of the beginning and they wanted it to stay that way. So if you were older than 26, which is everyone in this room except Elijah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Elijah is the only one who gets to have revival. He's the only one who gets to go in, man. You have to bring some back for us. Uh, this is where you know it—it's it, it, already been all over the campus. You know, people just literally living and camped out all over campus. You can go online and watch these videos. It's pretty—it's pretty insane. Uh, but now that the older folks have to find a, a different place to worship, um, and the students really are prioritized in taking over in there, um, it keeps going. Gosh. It keeps going. By uh, February 16th, the revival goes into its ninth day. Um, This is when Asbury actually establishes a set schedule for the revival. They publish this on their website, and they mark February 24th, and this is interesting because we're going to come back to this date. Uh, They mark February 24th as the end date, the official end date for all services held on Asbury's campus. So they're saying, hey, we're going to cut this whole thing off by February 24th. And... God's going to continue to do whatever he wants to do somewhere else, I guess. Um, basically, it, it just it, it keeps on going. They, they keep their promise. There's more and more and more places. It gets more news coverage. Um, there's people coming in from all over the world just to be a part of whatever is going on at Asbury University. And all throughout this time, up until February 24th, where the university announces no more services, and that marks the end of it at, at, at Asbury University, Up to that point, I mean, I I, I don't think we still have a total of how many people came to be a part of this physically, right? Um, much less those who are watching online, because it was live-streamed for the majority of the time, these services. Um, But you got reports of people being healed, these miraculous healings. You've got reports of people being saved. You've got reports of people preaching the gospel, and you've got reports of people just getting up and just Reading the Bible, or people just getting up and just sharing their testimonies, but it's nonstop for two weeks, and it's called a revival. Um, what's fascinating about all this is, whenever there's a social event, we all know this yep, that goes viral. Yeah. The opinions inevitably come out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you've got one crowd who's saying, "Hey, the Holy Spirit's doing something among college students in America and across the world, there's revival breaking out. Praise God for that. And then you've got the other camp who's saying, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. How do we know that this is really from God? And how do we know it's not just a bunch of emotionalism? And I guess that's a really good question for us because nobody wants to be caught saying, oh, hey, kids are getting saved. That's terrible. Right. (laughs) That's not, that's never terrible. That's what we hope for. We're always hoping for that. Um, But at the same time, we're not to just think blindly about these things. And we know that Satan can also act. In ways that look like a move of the Holy Spirit, he loves to mimic. Yeah, it's lots. almost
2: like you read your Bible and came up with that. No, <laughs> seriously. But
0: Hebrews five
2: fourteen says, "But solid food is for the mature, uh, who, because of his practice, have their senses." And here's the word what you're talking about: trained to discern both good and evil. Mm. And so the Bible, over and over again, tells us: test, know, grow. Don't be tossed. Uh, so that you can tell the difference between, you know, good and evil, immature and mature. And I guess the hard part about even doing this is you, you don't want to come off cynical right. or judgmental. Um, but at the same time, you don't want or we don't want people in our church to feel, uh, I guess the, the word I would look for is inferior spiritually or feel like they need to get on a plane and go find the Spirit you know that it's somehow geographically, and so it's it's hard to, it, it's hard to communicate that without coming off cynical, and that's mm-hmm. that's not the goal. Because on the other end, the Bible is full of God doing work in the craziest of situations, and right. si- Him redeeming situations, and um, Him working and moving uh, in non-prescriptive um, orders and events. So. Uh, we never want to say God couldn't do something mm-hmm. and that God didn't do something. Right. And so uh, I, d- I don't want to fall into that camp. I think what we're trying to answer is, should we do this? And, you know, should should people be look on the lookout? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Is this something they should be um, trying to add to their spiritual growth plan process, sanctification process?
1: I feel like when I was reading more about this and researching it, I found it interesting that this university has a history of (laughs) revivals from what I counted here. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, starting in 1905 up to this most recent one. And it reminded me of when you watch The Bachelor. Not that that anyone here does this, but... (laughs) When Chris Harrison says, it's the most dramatic season of The Bachelor ever. And he says it literally in every promo for the show and every time when you get to season 20. And you're like, I don't know if I believe you anymore. And I think we're Said on too season much. 8 of this revival situation at this university. So I was a little skeptical. When in when I was first researching, I was skeptical. Like, well, they're in the business of revivals a little bit. Only it at, seems.
0: Only at LBC can we take... Asbury University's history <laughs> of revivals and connect it to uh, The Bachelor. So.
1: You know, it was a real world example. <laughs> it was. Well,
0: whatever. And, and in that list, by the way, 1970 was like a real big season for them. So well, what? The 1970 <laughs> revival. It what was the best season ever.
2: What Leslie did very, very well right there is she asked the deep question of if it's normalized, is it really a revival? Mm. Right, and so that's that's the deeper question of at what point is it is it not a revival because you do it yearly, yeah. and, you know what I mean, and so and a and a lot of this is going to get into definitions and how you define things yeah. and how you how you do things. Um, a definition I came across, and again, I'm sure there's other definitions that people might pick apart and pull, but just through a, a neutral, it was written before Asbury, mm-hmm. you know, so it didn't have it in mind from the New Dictionary of Theology. Um, It says it's God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts, deepening his work of grace in their lives. Mm. And it's a corporate occurrence, and it goes on. Uh, So I think when you look at that, um, it's a quickening visitation. Like I I don't know how you would, is that like, from their perspective, what I want to know, is that like God's yearly visit? You know what I mean? Is that why there's a revival? Because yeah. that that would make sense. I mean, I, I wouldn't find that scripturally, right. but I could see why. You're like, no, we got to do this. Yeah. Right? It's the it's the yearly visit. It's the um. It's where we feel the Lord. It's where He comes to us and meets with us. Um, I would say you're, you're that's not what the scripture teaches, but it would at least make sense. Yeah. Why then? It's a a
0: reoccurrence over and over again. It's 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 interesting listening to this because I grew up very traditional Southern Baptist. No, uh, not if my, you. If my parents are watching this, I'm gra- or listening. I'm I'm grateful for my Southern Baptist heritage. However, uh, it is interesting because I grew up with an annual revival, and that was just the title for it. And really, when I look back on it, uh, you know, it, it was it was very much I don't know. I mean, the biggest difference between a Sunday service and a revival was that instead of just showing up on Sunday morning and Sunday night. We would show up Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Monday night, and then Tuesday night, and then Wednesday night, and then Thursday night. And so we would all... It was it was a planned event where our congregation, and we were to bring our friends, would come and hear a special guest speaker uh, come and basically just preach the gospel every single day for a week. And that was what revival was, or at least what was being prayed for. Now, before I poo-poo that, mm-hmm. that's where I got saved. So... <laughs> Yeah. So was at one of those services on a Wednesday night in July. Um, you know, so it, it's, it, it's special to me in that sense because I heard the gospel preached and I responded to the gospel at that time at the age of 11 um, at a revival service, you know. But when I look at events like this, I'm automatically skeptical because I'm thinking, well, can, can you plan an outpouring of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and, I, think, I think what I'm noticing is you kinda have to think about
2: it in categories. So the, the closest I could come up to this is camp. That's um, what I was totally right? thinking of. Yep. And so the, the That's a great point. Because at camp you see this similar why does so much happen at camp? Okay, well and here's what we have to distinguish. It's not that God is geographically special at camp, right? <laughs> like somehow he's got a glory cloud hanging over <laughs> right. There's a glory cloud but over what like does it. happen, and I think it's similar to revivals, is yeah. you strip down your schedule. Right. You, Mm -hmm. you have a morning devotion. You have a morning teaching, morning singing. Mm -hmm. You're talking about them at night. It's like Deuteronomy six. You're living it out. You're talking about in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, most of these places, the cell phones are off the grid and, and you don't have all the social media and you don't have all the friend drama and the parent drama. You're just focused on Jesus for a week. Right. So the change is your focus. Right, it's mm-hmm. your intentionality. Mm-hmm. It's it's your um, consistent affections being uh, focused on Jesus. And then when you come back down the mountain, God didn't change, right? Right, your schedule changed, your priorities changed, your uh, conflicts changed, what you're wrestling with changed. Yeah, you know. And so it's it's not a shocker that when you took a week. Right, mm-hmm. in, in your Baptist revival mm-hmm. to focus on the Lord, right. that Like good things happened. Right. You know what I mean? I think where it gets weird is when it's oh God moved. It's like, well no, God's always moving. We didn't Amen. It, the date and geography and worship song choice didn't move him to all of a sudden act in a special way that he wasn't acting before.
0: So in theory then, yes. If we decided to just not end our service on Sunday morning. Okay. And everyone just stuck around. Right. And we continued singing and continued preaching and continued going into Monday and Tuesday, and people willingly chose to stay and participate. It sounds like it's just a byproduct of the fact that, I mean, like, there's got to be some response. That's to the positive of the Holy Spirit moving in our hearts and in our lives. Right. Right. Just by simply taking all of our attention and our affection for an extended period of time and devoting it to his word, the fellowship of believers, prayer, inevitably that will have an effect on us. Yes. But to call it revival is some, you know, that that's where it gets messy. I right? feel
1: like, is that what we're getting hung up, hung up on is the term. I don't
0: know we we're hung up yet,
1: but oh. <laughs> maybe it's just me. Sorry. No, no, it's
0: good. I but think yeah. that's the but general hang up. Yeah. Yeah. Revival, the word mm. itself. And this is this, I mean, oh man, you, you can't listen to, I'm going to call it pop worship. That's my new phrase. Ooh. Okay. You, you heard, heard it, it here like first. Yeah, so. I like it. Because there's no differentiation between Christian music and worship, the sacred anymore. It, it's, that's a whole other podcast, right? What I'm calling pop worship is like the top ten, okay. top forty worship that's yeah. out there today. Most of which we don't sing at LPC. Yeah, um, you know, revival is the heavy theme on the majority of those songs that the church is singing today. That's most popular, right? Really heavy. So re- revival, the 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 word itself, asking God for it, bringing heaven down. All of that sort of stuff. I mean, the church, capital C church today is ripe with that. Yeah. So, what is revival? You gave us one definition here. Are there any examples in scripture?
2: Yeah, I think, well, A, you're not going to see the word revival. You know, it's in, no, in the Bible. In the Bible, you're not going to see it. Um, the closest I think we get um, is, you know, Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, where there's this mass conversion, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. The problem with that, and this and this is much broader than revival, mm-hmm. but is that people make that normative or as if we're that's supposed to happen every week, right? And that's not to be recreated, right? Jesus just yeah. ascended into heaven, right? And Peter's giving the first sermon to establish and inaugurate the church, um, fulfilling the Old Testament that the Holy Spirit would indwell the believer, right? Mm-hmm. Jeremiah would get put in my spirit, my heart, right? So you have that uh confirmation of the old testament and then from there they don't recreate that every week you look at the book of acts they they evangelize they grow up elders those elders form a church and then they disciple believers in that local and then Paul goes around doing that establishing churches yeah so he commands hey set up elders in every city set up elders in every town You'll see him. He's meeting with the elders, mm-hmm. so you don't see a a, a reenactment of Acts chapter two. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, and the, the other part is there's this kind of uh, well, we want to be, you know, as Jesus was, we want to be, mm-hmm. and then that bleeds into the apostles. Okay, one, Jesus was sinless, Son of God, so that kind of takes that out of the ball game. Oh, well. Two, if you if you look at
1: Swing and a miss yep. on that one. <laughs> the
2: the apostles, very much it, it's them authenticating that mm-hmm. they're his right apostles. And, and in Ephesians, it talks about how that Jesus is the cornerstone, and the apostles are the foundation, and they come together, and we build on that. Meaning it ends. You don't. You don't keep adding to your foundation and try to build on top of it. Right. I'm not very handy, John, but <laughs> I, I, even I know that doesn't it's work. not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And so it's it was something that was fixed and it was done and it was authenticating. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we know that? Well, look through the New Testament. You see Paul can't heal himself, right? There you have uh, Epaphrodites in, in Philippians. He can't be healed. You have Timothy being told he and So you see this, it becomes less and less. Why? Because the canon or the Bible becomes settled, right? You mm-hmm. have the foundation laid and then they build on it. So people try to make things normal that aren't normal, yeah. right? And the inauguration of the church, the authenticating of, that was one of the main reasons Jesus said he have miracles. That's the book of John, right? Mm-hmm. The, the miracles are there to validate that he is who he said he is, the right. son of God, the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. So I think the church tries to recreate those moments they see, thinking they're just trying to have a, a higher level of spirituality or, or be biblical. Yeah. My, my primary example would be if we had a, a worship service and someone came forward and said, "Hey, um, I just got back from the doctor, you know Monday, and I don't have cancer." We would not say, "John, that's set list every week now." right That is now the prescription of how we're gonna, whatever I preached, I'm preaching it every Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> right? Because also in that worship service, it are, are people who didn't get healed of cancer and right. didn't get healed of uh, pains and terminal illnesses and mental disorders and family emotional trauma and um, wounded limbs and deformed limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, just for whatever reason, God healed. Yeah, you know, and there's there's no moving him, causing him, so we wouldn't try to recreate that. In the same way, you don't try to recreate the apostles. It's completely unique. It's completely other. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's Acts chapter two. You know, and I think that's a very special moment in Scripture for uh, inaugurating the church in the beginning of the church. Uh, but John, we were talking earlier uh, in the Old Testament in Second Chronicles.
0: Why don't you? kind of tap into that a little bit. Yeah, because I you know, Second Chronicles chapter seven, and let me just give you the context here. So in Second Chronicles chapter seven, uh, Solomon has just finished building the temple. This is something that his father David wanted to do. God wouldn't let him do it. Solomon gets to do it (laughs) after David is gone. So as King Solomon builds and finishes the temple of God. And this is God speaking in Second Chronicles chapter seven. If you've been around the church for a while, you're you're probably familiar with with this passage, uh, it says this. It says, "Then the Lord appeared to Solomon in the night and said to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a house of sacrifice." And then he says this, "When I shut when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command the locusts to devour the land or send pestilence among my people, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, I've seen so many times. In fact, I actually led a worship song by Matt Redmond that went to this tone. I don't lead it anymore because I don't. I, yeah. Um, okay. We all have those moments. We all moments. have those moments, yep. yeah. Yep. Uh, you know, but it's basically a song and, and a prayer using this almost like a formula. And I've heard this preached so many times that this is like the formula to revival. Hmm. that if america would simply humble herself and pray and seek the face of god god will heal our ills he'll heal our land you know he'll he'll you know hear from heaven and will forgive their sin i mean it sounds like god's being very blunt here yeah um are we supposed to ask for revival cuz that's that's a big prayer right now going around the church
2: yeah i think i think there's a category mistake right so um There's the corporate America revival. There's the revival in my church, and then there's the revival in the individual. That's a good point. And so uh, the reality of what you see in the Scripture, you read Romans 9, is he saves whom he saves. And so uh, I don't know that we are part of the the effect, Hmm. right? He tells us to evangelize. He tells us um, to, you know use our feet and go out to the nations and to preach the good news and Mm -hmm. blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. So it's clearly commanded for us to give it, uh, the good news, right. To preach, to go out. But somehow that God has designed this formula that when we ask for mass conversion, that it happens. Right. You know, now, does that mean God doesn't do that? And absolutely. I think God, you know, you'll see People, groups of people give their life to Christ. You see that in China and India, sometimes in America. It's normalizing it, packaging it, and trying to recreate it that takes it out of, you know, you see in the old, you see in even the New Testament that the spirit goes where the spirit wills, right? Yeah, exactly. And so there's a fine line between saying, hey, God could save a thousand people Mm -hmm. in an event. Absolutely. Versus we brought this saving you know, into existence through the, the way
0: we went about it. And that's really tapping into the deeper theological issue going mm-hmm. on here. Yep. Do we control God, or right. are we to submit to God's will and what, right. and what God is doing? Um, and, and all of what you're saying of like trying to package this and trying to use God's own words against him, almost, yes. is to, or to control him, you know, is, is really just that. It's, it's the sin of seeking to control God which number one, that's a losing battle. Uh, But number two, I mean, that just, there's so many things that are wrong with that in our understanding of who God is and even what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ.
2: Well, and I think people, they they isolate parts of the Bible because, I mean, what do you do with Jeremiah? Jeremiah is the weeping prophet Mm because no one comes to saving faith, right? Did he fail as a prophet? Right. Is he a bad prophet? Right. Do, we, do we think that he didn't pray for hearts to be changed and for people to be faithful? Um, I mean, even Paul mm-hmm. says that he, he would rather he die than see his brothers, you know, Jewish brothers um, go to hell. So, I mean, even he didn't reach all he wanted to reach. That's a good point. You know what I mean? And yeah. so to look at that and say that somehow they failed... Um, I, I think is is bad. It's it's short sighted. It's not looking at the full biblical framework. The other yeah. part is when you look at someone like Job, is that somehow suffering comes because there's a lack of revival or there's a a lack of prayer. Job's doing what Job's supposed to do, and God says, "Hey, this is going to happen." Yeah. Right? And Job's response is to be worship, and so it's not that you know Job missed the revival. You know, meeting, and now he's paying the consequences,
1: you know what should I mean have that, gone. that should have
2: gone, no, and so that's it's
1: That holy fomo
2: It's holy right. fomo, which is an actual thing, <laughs> which I think we'll get to, but uh I, I think you just you take the weight of the personal response we're to have to Jesus daily, yeah and it. and you put all your eggs in showing up to an event and And having a feeling dictate God's love for you, um, god's uh plan for you, mm-hmm. you know what I mean that somehow, if you can go to this emotional um, high high, high feeling, then God really loves you, and you're really doing
0: what God wants you to do so. You know, with with so much going around about praying for revival, asking for revival, we've kind of already established, you know, I don't think there's a scriptural basis for us even seeking after that, so to speak. Um, How should we pray as a church, corporately and individually, for our communities, for the world, for our neighborhood, for ourselves?
2: Yeah, I think if you look at... just Okay, there's kind of three questions there. There's one... How do I pray for like an individual revival? How do I pray for the revival of others? And then how do I pray for like a revival of America? Hmm. So let's, let's start with, um, you know, America. So, or the world, however you want to say that. We're told to pray, you know, Romans 14 or 13, you look through that. We're to pray for the governing authorities. We're to pray for them and lift them up as God's instruments to, you know, kind of keep the peace and rule and order here. We pray for them. Um, you could pray for their salvation. That's a good thing to pray for. Um, I think the danger moves into when you think if you pray a certain way or in a certain geographical location, that somehow that'll move or change what God is already doing. Mm. So it's good to pray for them. I think the praying for them is more about our hearts having compassion towards them, our hearts being sympathetic, patient, gentle, kind, because when you're when you're bringing that before the Lord, uh, you're seeing that they are a human, they are a sinner, they need a Savior. Um, if they are a Christian, they ha- they struggle to be obedient, just like you do. And it's more God working on your heart through that governmental system. Mm. Like you know, imagine Jesus, you know, telling his disciples to pray for and you know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and they're like you know, basically slaves in a culture being oppressed and like, you want us to do what? Mm. You know, it's, it's yeah. about their heart being right so that they can share the gospel and they can give the good news. Um, for your non-Christian friends, I think you, you pray and you pray continuously. Um, some of the coolest stories in our church are people that prayed for 30, 40, some wow. 50 years. Cool. Uh, and again, where it crosses the line is I just got to invite them to this event Mm-hmm. maybe, you know, <laughs> God might use that uh, concert or outreach or, you know, whatever it is, he might. Um, but it wasn't the event. It was God's sovereign timing. Amen. Right? And so you you want to keep praying for that. Um, and then as, as for you, um, pray for spiritual growth every day, mm-hmm. you know, Pray that the fruit of the Spirit would be um, evident in your life. You know, praise David. prayed, search me and know me. Like, show me where I need to grow. Show me where I need to repent. Mm -hmm. Confess sin consistently. Um, And if you need help with that, your kids and spouse will be quick to show you, (laughs) right? Um, They'll be really fast. Yeah, you're really bad. Oh, okay, I need to pray about that. I need to read my Bible. I need to seek godly wisdom. And and seek growth through those means, mm. you know. I, I think where we move into trouble is that somehow we can shortcut the process, we can make ma- God move in our timing, or we can create a place that gets ultimately the the mean the the ends that we want.
0: So there's there's lots of movements, yeah, um, that come and go throughout our society. I mean, America is ripe with revivalism. I mean, the <laughs> it's in our history. It's it's a big part of American history are these revivals and awakenings. Yep. Um, You know, so what's happening at Asbury is just, is just one small piece. Yes. Of a long, long history in America, especially of outpourings, quote unquote, or awakenings or revivals. Um, How do we know then? Like how are, I mean, what's the criteria for judging whether this is from God or whether this is maybe something that we need to steer clear from.
2: Yeah, I think th- that's hard because everyone wants to judge it in, in an exact moment, right? Right. But when you look at when you look at the Bible and just look at like the parable of the soils and the seeds, you look at that there's things that give the appearance of grabbing root, mm-hmm. right? And um, there's different reasons why it doesn't take full root, whether it's being choked out. Or, you know, it's being burned or different things, uh, the cares of the world or spiritual warfare, whatever that is. So to see if it actually takes root Mm -hmm. and grows fruit, like John 15 tells us, Galatians 5 tells us, I think that takes time. Um, I think we want to stay away from broad brush saying God didn't do anything there. Um, And then the other extreme is saying that we need to do that here. Yeah. You know, and and I, I think where we start crossing lines is when we start sending people to a geographical location, saying God is there. <laughs> you know, what we see in the New Testament is when you've put your faith and trust in Jesus right. as the payment for your sin, the Holy Spirit indwells you. Right. You don't need to go anywhere. Right.
1: One of the articles that I read online, the author said, people keep asking me if I'm gonna go. You know, drive down there and go there survival because. I keep telling him no because God can do what he's doing there in my kitchen every morning when I sit and read my Bible. It's
0: true. And yep.
1: pray and drink my coffee. He goes, He's doing the same thing right in my house.
0: <laughs> and it feeds in. Yeah, you're right. It feeds into this belief that the common, ordinary means of grace by which God has blessed us, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, these things of having his word to be able to read and understand, of prayer, of being able to talk and listen to God, of Corporate worship, of being able to gather with God's people, all of these things are a grace given to us freely by God. The gift of the Holy Spirit, His very presence in our lives. Um, we, we get dissatisfied with that so quickly. Yeah. And and really run the risk of, yeah, like, like you're saying, Leslie, of, of just running after all of these more exciting things because for some reason we start to believe that these common means of grace that God has given to us right here, right now are not enough.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And another thing that I read that was interesting was they were saying a lot of people who were really pro-revival, I guess for a better phrase, but who were really quickly labeling this Asbury thing as a revival might, in our culture now, you know, we live in a post-Christian culture, some would even say an anti-Christian culture, and Mm -hmm. is it that we're desperate for some type of big movement like Mm -hmm. this to restore, to be a return to the Christian culture, but there was a really great quote in one of the articles that said, you know, our faith is not in the return of Christian culture. It's in the return of Christ.
2: Amen. That's well said. That's well said. I think what I'm noticing is where things really get wacky is when you start trying to um, create events outside the, the guidance of the local church, Mm. right? Because um, whether or not, asbury meant to get crazy it quickly you saw it move yeah, you know blocks
1: and blocks of people right
2: and so you you kind of have this you know first 1 corinthians fourteen forty. but all things must be done properly and in an orderly manner and mm-hmm. that's there because god is not a god of chaos and confusion and that's why he works through the local church with you have an authority of the elders mm-hmm. who are supposed to uphold the scriptures. That
1: was another criticism that I read, too, that there was no oversight. Of, there's no mm-hmm. one to be held accountable exactly. for any of this.
2: Mm-hmm. And so that's where, uh, hopefully, if you have spiritual oversight that, that's upholding the Word of God, you don't have people being taken advantage of. Because here's where it gets bad is when, when people over-promise and under-deliver. hmm and yeah. they speak on God's behalf. And the truth is, God does not promise to heal every person. Right. Right. He doesn't promise everyone to have an emotional experience. Um, he promises, you read through Romans, that he's always with us. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. Um, as John mentioned in He Will Hold Me Fast, he never lets go. Mm. Right. He holds us. And so He the, the promise is that. We're not alone. The promise is heaven is our home. The promises: our sins are forgiven and not held against us. Right. Those are the promises. And to your point, John, that somehow people become disillusioned with that. They're going, like, oh, but, but I want an experience. Right. You know, and right. that's just not what the scripture teaches. Mm-hmm. There's going to be moments that you do experience. Like when you have your first kid and you're like, oh, like this is what, God's love is like, you get it for the first time. Cause you're like, I would die for you and you're costing me $10,000. <laughs> right. Like, like you haven't, you've done nothing for me and I would die for you. Okay. I get it. Right. <laughs> um, But I can't recreate that, you know, by the third kid, you're like, Oh, okay. You know, mm-hmm. nothing. So like you can't recreate that. Right. It, it was just a, it was a, it was a special moment. God gives for you to see a window into what his love is, is like, mm, that's good. You know what I mean? You have those, those moments where near-death experience, you're like, oh my gosh, I got to share my faith or I got to take this more serious. I got to pray more. I got to, you know, talk to my estranged brother, sister, whatever it is. It doesn't mean you go looking for near-death experiences so you can recreate that Mm -hmm. um, drive that it caused in you.
0: Yeah. Let me just address real quick um, those people who may be listening and thinking to themselves, how dare they? Right cast judgment on people's personal experiences and what God seems to be doing in the midst of, you know, um, I get that, you know, there's, yeah. there's definitely, especially in our culture today, you know, everybody yep. has their truth and their thing. this does that and the other, let me just, let me just bring us back to first John chapter four, which is so practical um, where we're literally commanded to do these things, to not just blindly accept every single thing we see, that has the name Jesus on it. First um, John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, John writes, Beloved, I love every time he says that, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many, there are many false prophets that have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, who you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. This is the Apostle John. Uh, whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the Spirit of truth and the Spirit of error. What do you make of that?
2: I, I think, I think uh, Satan is more crafty than than we realize. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to get you drunken on heroin, right? He just needs to get you confused, distracted. and and pursuing wrong things. Now, am I saying that's Asbury? No. But I'm saying if if we get caught up in that, we very easily could seek the things that are not of God in the name of God. And that's where the testing is so important Um, and the maturity and understanding how you can... I mean, the Pharisees thought they were doing it right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But, But what Jesus is telling them over and over again. It's like, no, you're seeking your own glory. Yeah. You're dead on the inside. Yeah. It looks great, but it's dead on the inside. And so the, the way I guess you would push back on, on this whole thing is what's wrong with personal prayer, reading your Bible, Mm -hmm. um, journaling thoughts and, uh, praises to God, corporate worship, corporate hearing, teaching God's word, uh, Bible studies, you know what's what's wrong with that? How is that? It's bad? like
1: when you want to lose weight and people tell you you should, you know, eat healthy and exercise, and then you go, oh, well, okay, but what else can I do? Because yeah, is there, like healthy, p- is there like a is there like a pillar yeah, surgery I that mean, can fix cause that? Like, that kind of takes a lot of work <laughs> and it takes a little bit of a long time. Like I have to put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, I, Just I give might. me the quick thing.
0: If there was a quick one, I would I would look way different. Stop. <laughs> You would have found it. I would have found it. You would have found and, it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> no, that's a great comparison is sp- spiritually. And Paul even makes the metaphor of, of you know, working out spiritually mm-hmm. and training just like you do physically. right? And uh, I think there's, there's just a lack of spiritual preparation and people try to shortcut it. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that you don't have aha moments with God. Mm-hmm. I think it's when you're trying to make everything an aha moment. That's and, it. And you're chasing it. And what, what ends up happening is you make people feel like in order to connect with God, they got to go to these huge functions. Mm-hmm. They got to fly all the way out to Kentucky. <laughs> and it's like the great state of Kentucky, is great as it is.
1: Save airline Miles. <laughs> that's
2: right. You, the, the Spirit of God, <laughs> if you are a believer, dwells in you. Amen. And you can, and this is what we we're looking at in Matthew, right? Ask, seek, knock. Mm-hmm. James 4, draw near. Um, God's not hiding. He's not hiding and he, he's not waiting for you to show up in some geography before he'll listen to your prayers. Right. He'll hear your concerns. I think the reality is sometimes you're crying out to God and he's like, yep, you're going to stay right here. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through this, but I'm going to be with you. And that's not the answer we want. So we're like, well, maybe if we change the geography mm-hmm. and the worship set list and the emotional preaching, then maybe I'll get a different answer.
0: So if we start wrapping this down a little bit. Yep. Um it sounds like the question is this a move of god or is this good or is this bad isn't really a good question. It he, sounds it sounds like this is a little bit messier than just yes, good, bad, right, wrong. Yes, it's from god. No, it's not from god. You know, all of all of those things. It sounds like the, you know what we're coming up with here is that you can't really just put this thing into one category. Right. Um,
1: can you have a situation like this where you can still become a genuine Christian at a quote-unquote fake revival, which is not what we're saying, but...
2: Right. Could it? Yeah. And and I think God converts people in the most unlikely of ways all through the Bible. That's true. And if you're listening here, this part, we're not trying to judge what happened. I think what we're Mm -hmm. trying to say is how do you process this moving forward? Yeah. Right? It happened. Um, could God have done great things? Sure. Did it go past what it was supposed to? It looks like it. That's why they shut it down. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, And so then how do we think about this moving forward? And I think what we're trying to say is this isn't something you try to recreate. Right. It's not something you chase and it's not something you, you uh, have FOMO about spiritual FOMO as Leslie put so (laughs) eloquently before. So good. Uh, you, You have access to that God at any time. And the reality is, and maybe we just do a bad job of sharing this, is that sometimes you're gonna pray and you're just not gonna feel special, right? You're gonna crack open Leviticus and be like, "What the (laughs) heck just (laughs) happened?" Right? And you're gonna and you're gonna spend you know hours trying to draw the connections between the sacrificial system and Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and draw, you know. And then there's other times you're gonna open it up and just read it. Whoa, like look at God. Yeah, you know I. I understand that desire, but it it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. right? You know, sometimes the most loving, faithful thing is showing up, Amen. right? And so that's showing up in prayer. That's showing up to the text. That's showing up to church and saying, um, even though my feelings aren't magical like Disneyland, right? I love and am committed mm-hmm. to Christ. And I talk to him in prayer. I listen to him in his word and I sing to him as a
0: response. Amen. Regardless of my circumstances, right, or what's going on. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I th- I think that there's a uh a, a a real lack of understanding that continues to take place in our culture and I'm I'm guilty of it quite often as well, where we fail to see the supernaturalness of the simple things that God has given to us. Yes. That's, that's absolutely true. The power of His Word that when we, sit down in, in, to sit, when we sit down to read the Bible, just to sit under the authority of the Bible. When we sit down to read the Bible to seek the face of God, to know Him, that's a supernatural moment. Yeah. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, writing in the sky, all, you know, all this stuff, but something's happening inside of you. Some, that, that's shaping you and that's forming you. Truth over time transforms you. Um, same with prayer. Regularly having times of regular prayer just simply because God has invited us to talk. In, God invites us to draw near, like you said, to come to him. That should blow our minds. It really should. But it doesn't. You know. Or, or Sunday morning we go seeking to receive, receive, receive. I, 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 I need to come to receive. And what's become lost is going to church to give, to give of my resources, to give of my efforts, to give of my affection, to God, to give all of it to God because he's worthy. That That's a supernatural thing when we can all gather together. Um, we don't have to have some lightning bolt moment all the time. And I think what we're saying here is those lightning bolt moments do happen. Mm-hmm. Yes, they do. And we don't want to look down on those. No.
2: At all. I just, I, I think we're fooling ourselves and the scripture yeah, if we want to make it normative. Right.
1: There was a good quote I came across. that said, I need to be more eager for the Lord's glory than for the lord's blessing
2: that's it yeah yeah i've heard that phrase kind of said seek his face and not his hand Mm -hmm. you know who who he is
0: so we can praise god that there were thousands of college students all across america and the world who were hungry enough to take the time to give of their time and resources it's a good thing yeah, to, praise, to simply be together, praising God, hearing from his word, hopefully hearing the gospel taught. Um, that's a good thing. That's something that we can all be excited about and that we can all say, praise God. Praise God for at least a rejuvenation within that generation and anybody else who's a part of it you know, toward the things of God, toward seeking his face. And we can hold in one hand praising God and saying, thank you for that. It, it's it's good to see that there's a movement or something happening, at least among college students that is drawing them towards God and towards His Word, and at the same time we can hold in the other hand somewhat of a skepticism to say, you know what, time will tell. Yeah, yeah. time will tell. You know what comes of this, and what lasting fruit this has or doesn't have. But regardless, no doubt within that setting, God did some stuff in some people's lives, and we can be excited about that.
2: Yeah, I think we'll as we wrap this down. We were talking earlier about how camp has so many mm-hmm. similar things, and and here's what I say: when I was the high school pastor, people would say, you know, how many kids gave their life to Christ, and you know, it's like five, six, and they I mean, aren't you so excited? And I I learned from my response to be, we'll see, because yeah. what happens right. at camp is special, right? And, right. and and it, here's the thing I think people get confused. As much as we love Hume Lake, there's not like a special glory cloud hanging over mm-hmm. it where when you go there, that's that's where you get the extra dose of God. Right? It's it's how you are at camp, right? Your cell phone's taken away. You're hearing the Bible in the morning. You're praying. You're talking about them at lunch before you go to bed. You don't have the distraction of, of uh, all the chaos you have down here, mm-hmm. down the mountain, however you want to say that. You don't have parents' interference, and in that if you don't have a good home situation, you're just focused on the Lord for seven days, morning, noon, and night, having fun, rejoicing. Uh, the change is when you come home now, mm-hmm. and you have to take w- your commitment to Jesus and interact with the peer pressure, and the time crunch, and the sports, and the family drama, and the social media, and and all that that happens. And so the the point there is why do we say wait is because we don't know if that kid made a decision because his friends did, he had a crush on a girl or a boy, or because they felt like they had to, right. or if they actually, for the first time, saw that they're a sinner that needs a Savior. Exactly. And time, just like the scriptures talks about the parable of the soils, will show you. Mm-hmm. It'll either get choked out or it'll grab roots, grow deep, and produce fruit. Mm-hmm. And there's, I I think to Leslie's point earlier is we want to shortcut that process, you know, and just see
0: instant. And so that's kind of where time will tell. And that's always true. So it sounds like in conclusion, uh, what we want our listeners to understand is that when we think of the Asbury revival, as it's called, uh, when we, when we think of what's going, (laughs) just doing air quotes in here, um, Rather than just jumping on any on some bandwagon that says no, it's evil. It's not from God. It's man made. You know, so nothing good comes out of it.
1: Spirit quenchers, those are called. S-
0: Spirit quenchers. <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not trying to do that. <laughs> Spirit quenchers. Um, or if you're on the other side of, you know, hey, you can't say anything bad about it because they say Jesus and Jesus says Jesus that. Um, rather than jumping on a bandwagon, I think we need to avoid bandwagons altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, our bandwagon is Jesus, if we have one, <laughs> and he does as he pleases. That's the thing that we need to get is the sovereignty, the sovereign hand of God is not something that we control right. or conjure. Um, that's paganism. The essence of paganism really is Absolutely. I will do X, Y, and Z, and therefore I will obligate God to do his part. Mm-hmm. Um, that's evil. That is satanic. There's nothing there's nothing biblical about that whatsoever. God does as, as He pleases, and we get to watch His plan unfold. And sometimes He brings us into that plan and makes us a part of that plan. And that's an amazing thing, but we're just commanded to simply watch what God does uh, and to to take full advantage of the common graces He's given to us to know Him and to better know one another and to jump on mission with him, which is to preach the gospel. Yep. Yeah, I think
2: uh, a key thing you you said is uh, ordinary means of grace. And I don't know if everyone understands that, mm-hmm. is that the fact that we're breathing is grace. Yeah. Right? Romans 1 is that God allows us to live and breathe and we're to be thankful. It's called common grace. God gives it to everyone. Right. The good and, and the evil. Mm-hmm. God, God allows us to even be here. Um, that's something to be celebrated. Mm-hmm. But I think so, so much of where we start in our spiritual walk is it's assumed and entitled. So then we, we always start from a deficiency of God owes me. Yeah. And so then that's why the experience gets chased. Instead of realizing, you no, know, you're starting on a huge bonus, right? <laughs> you're way to the positive, You don't need to chase an experience. Mm -hmm. You need to maintain the relationship
0: and be grateful for the bonus. That's it. So next Sunday, Leslie, I fully expect you to be singing louder, stronger, because, you know, it's a privilege to gather together with God's saints, and it's a supernatural moment.
1: I will be happy to do so. I don't know if the people sitting around me will be (laughs) quite as happy.
2: I I heard a rumor from Elijah that Leslie was considering the worship team.
0: Oh, yeah. I heard there was talk. There's a process to that. So. Yeah, I
1: don't know. I wouldn't pass the... Uh, the background it. check? Thank you. That'll the background be check.
0: The LBC Podcast is a ministry of Laurel Glen Bible Church in Bakersfield, California. Hey, if you're looking for a church family and you don't currently have a place where you're worshiping regularly, we would love for you to come and worship with us in person. Our services are every Sunday, 8.30 a.m. or 10 a.m. Until next time, walk in the grace and truth that is only found in the gospel of Jesus Christ.